Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, it has been a while, Craig, since we've done a theme month. I don't know, we have like a whole bunch of ideas for theme months floating out there. Ideas that our patrons have given us, ideas we've had literally for years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, um... I was out looking at things, research. I don't know. I went down some rabbit hole on IMDb, and I think it was related to one of the actors that we had seen in one of our other movies. And I'd bookmarked this movie called Just Until Dawn that was directed by a guy named Jeff Lieberman. Uh-huh. And earlier on in our podcast, one of the first episodes we did was a movie called Satan's Little Helper. Oh, yeah. Which... He wrote and directed, and I remember oh. thinking, yeah, I remember you particularly, well, you recommended it because you really liked it. Uh-huh. We thought it was quirky. We thought it was kind of fun. It was an odd little movie. I got to looking, and this movie, Just Before Dawn from 1981, popped up, directed by and co-written by Jeff Lieberman. And all of the reviews that I had seen online talked about how this is kind of like a hidden gem, kind of an underappreciated slasher from the era of the slashers. And uh, I got interested in it. I thought, well, we should see this. So I acquired the movie. And then I was just looking around and I was like, 1981. Wow, that was a year for slashers. And I just looked at a list of slashers from 1981. And not only were there like four or five movies that I've had in my mind for us to do, but also a bunch of movies we've already done that we, that we really enjoyed. Like for example, my bloody Valentine, 1981, Friday, the 13th, part two, 1981, evil speak, the burning. These are just slasher movies that we've done student bodies, uh, which is a comedy and Mm. graduation day, even a couple that we didn't care for like home sweet home with the body by Jake guy. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Remember remember that stupid one? Yeah. Don't go into the woods, which I still maintain to this day is one of the worst, most boring, horrible movies we've ever seen. (laughs) And then like, even if you go beyond slashers, there's like galaxy of terror. We did dead and buried and Mm. we did cannibal Ferex, which we didn't really like. No. And there's a list of them. The evil dead, 1981, an American werewolf in London, the howling, like huge movies, Halloween 2, it just seems like this was almost the crest of an earlier phase of the slasher before it was started to kind of peak around that time, maybe a couple years later with some of the more Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th movies, and then about mid to late 80s just kind of dropped off until we got the Scream series in the 90s to sort of revive it in an ironic way. But I thought, why don't we pay tribute to this year, 1981, with with a month of movies, because there were at least four other films that I also wanted to see. <laughs> you said, okay. Yeah, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> Just as random as any other decision that we make, right? <laughs> and you're always game for everything until we actually do it, and then you blame me for it later, which is uh, fair on, enough. Man. So I I listed out about four movies that I thought we could do this month, and you said, let's do it. And uh, we talked a little bit more in detail about the movies and things on a special mini-sode that we did for our patrons on the Patreon page. Um, So we're not going to go into all the background and kind of talk about our reminiscences of those movies I listed off, as well as some of the other movies from this era. If you want to access that, uh, please become a patron. Go to patreon.com, subscribe to our page. Anyway... We kicked it off with this movie. Just before dawn. Uh, George Kennedy's in it, right? I know. He's, <laughs> he's such an iconic actor. He was one of the the old man in the 
old wooden head episode yeah. of Creep Show 2. He looks about the same. And so I thought, okay, well, this should be really interesting. And the reviews I was reading from people online were all kind of along the same lines. Oh, this is like a must-see for slasher fans from this era. And this is sort of a hidden gem. And I don't really want to show my cards right off the bat, but I thought it was boring as fuck. <laughs> it was okay. Like, I don't know. An hour and a half of this. Well, first of all, where you find these movies is kind of a don't ask, don't tell kind of situation for me. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to be implicated in any of that. Um, I just click on the link that you send me. But I think that we ended up watching the longest cut that is available of this movie, mm. which is about an hour 45. Um, I think that the theatrical cut is uh, just 1.30. And, you know, I appreciate seeing director's cuts and whatnot. I don't think that they're always necessary, and I think that this is one of those instances where it's really not necessary. You You can tell easily what bits of the movie were restored because... The film quality is terrible. Yeah, um, just just really really bad. And it, in my opinion, didn't really add anything except for maybe a little bit of plot clarity. But that's not really even all that necessary. It's there are a couple very very small unique things about the movie. Other than that, it's a bunch of kids go into the woods and get picked off by. A woodland killer like that that's it <laughs> that's all she wrote folks well it's a, <laughs> there's a minor twist in there um, yeah that, that's what i'm saying there 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 is the the minor twist which is projected a hundred miles away mm-hmm. and then there is a kill at the very end that i thought was really awesome one mm. Other than that, it draws a lot of comparisons to The Hills Have Eyes and The Texas Chainsaw Massacre only because it's taking these suburbanite, presumably white folks, and throwing them into an environment that they are unprepared for and then just, you know, getting them picked off by the locals. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a very, very simple formula. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. And we've seen decent movies, you know, that did right. this. Um, and this isn't, it's not Don't Go Into the Woods, that's for sure. In fact. It's not that bad, no. I would certainly say that when it started out, I was kind of into it. Because I thought that, especially early on, some of the cinematography was rather inspired and I thought impressive for such a low-budget film right off the bat you know it shows this pictures of these beautiful mountains i think it's in oregon is where it was shot and there's like some interesting cinematography where the camera takes us in through a hole in the roof of what looks like a cabin but it ends up being like this church this very simple church out in the middle literally in the middle of the woods and two guys drinking inside there and One's looking at the other, and they're raising their glass to God, and they're kind of making jokes and all this stuff. And one guy sees somebody looking in that hole as he raises his glass. And then immediately it cuts to these kids driving down 
the highway in a camper. This is like the setup to so many movies we see. Yeah, and and I I, I will give it credit. There were. The cinematography, like you said, there's some beautiful nature cinematography. I mean, it is a beautiful setting. The the, the mountain setting is is very beautiful, um, and there were some really creepy moments. You know, one of those drunk hunters looking up to the roof and just seeing this big, menacing, weird-looking guy looking down on them and then it cuts mm. away while he tries to get his friend's attention and by the time he gets his friend's attention that guy is gone like that was kind of spooky like it was like, like mm. <laughs> who is that freak and, and there are a couple of other places in the movie where I found it to be genuinely kind of creepy and you know you say oh, okay well you know they see this guy and then it cuts away no there's like a whole action set piece where the guy who saw the creepy guy in the roof goes outside like presumably to look around and their truck mysteriously rolls down the hill hits a tree and explodes and then the guy that's still in the church gets brutally killed brutally killed oh. I jumped ahead in my notes. With a machete through the wiener. <laughs> yeah. And that was that wasn't bad actually, you know? You see the machete come out his, his butt. His butt. <laughs> <laughs> There's some blood. There's a maniacal laugh. And that dude takes his, his orange hat and puts it on and stands in the doorway so that his drunk friend, who's quite a ways away in yeah. deeper into the woods, can see him, and he kind of runs off. You're right. right. I, I think I jumped ahead in my notes there. I kind of, I, I, I'd never really, I don't know, I've probably seen it before, but I don't know that there was ever as in the much. Wiener. Yeah, like, like through the crotch, out the butt, um, and of course, <laughs> you know... It, in varying releases in varying parts of the world, that was one of the first things that got cut. Um, but uh, I thought, damn, what a terrible way to go! Because then you would not only would that just be a nightmare, like, like that's the worst, you know. Like, I'd almost, I'd almost rather take it in the eye than in the wiener. <laughs> and then you're just gonna have to like, like, slowly bleed to death with a big knife in your wiener. Uh-huh. <laughs> That'd be horrible. <laughs> would be. I don't even know what that would feel like because that's got to go through bone to get out the. Oh back, yeah. Right? Oh yeah, geez, terrible. That. So okay. So you're right. So it kind of starts off with a bit of a bang, and the truck explodes when it hits the tree and all that stuff. Because cars are supposed to do in movies. And then they're just these five five friends driving down a camper down the road. I mean, again, this is like an. It's a typical opening for a slasher film. Yeah. And there are these great shots of the road. And by the way, I want this camper. It is yeah, big. It's, nice. it's got <laughs> loads of windows. And that windshield like pretty much wraps around the front and the sides. My God. You they must have felt like champions riding down through the woods <laughs> in that thing. It was really, really nice. As a guy who went around in a much shittier camper with his family <laughs> growing up. <laughs> but we are introduced to these friends. There's Warren, who's a guy who's dri- drinking and driving down the road. But he's kind of the hunky one. Mm-hmm. A- and kind of like, he's kind of established as like the Eagle Scout. Like that's what they keep calling him. Like he's the one that knows about camping and stuff. Yeah. And-, and also he's one of the more successful actors in this in this production i mean he's um his name is greg henry 
Um, he has like 178 credits to his name. He's still working today. He's He was in Guardians of the Galaxy, Jason Bourne. Oh, wow. Loads of TV. ER and, and Gilmore Girls and 24, Star Trek Enterprise. Just you name a TV show, I think this guy's been in at least one episode of it. Uh, you know, all the way back to like murder she wrote it wasn't the first thing he's done but it's one of the first things that he did everything before that was either a tv movie or a tv series and there were just about a half a dozen of them his career exploded after this and i would say he's one of the strongest actors in here oh he's fine i mean they're not given a whole lot to do um i didn't i didn't look any of them up because i didn't recognize anybody i just assumed that they were nobodies yeah no, actually, quite a few of them have gone on. Well, obviously, George Kennedy, who we'll get to in a second. Right. He's the, I, I know him, sure. Yeah, he's the dude who warns he, them all. Yeah, he's the local <laughs> who warns them not to go up there. I mean, it's paint by numbers. I mean, if you were teaching a class on slasher movies, you could use this as an example of the formula. I mean, it just follows it to a T. Which is charming, you know? I mean, we kind of like that, too, when things do sort of follow the formula and we can talk about it, we can laugh at it, but we also know what to expect. Yeah, but, I, there are t- you know, there are times when we do, we watch these things and, like, we get excited when they meet mm-hmm. the, the local who we know is going to be the one to warn them off. Because it's usually, like, played up, you know? And, right. And, like, it's really suspenseful. Well, or they go over the top with the camp you know it's a very tongue-in-cheek we know what we're doing kind of thing Mm -hmm. um and this is just played very straightforward which is totally fair this is early you know like as we talked about before you know it's not like this is you know the first slasher obviously with halloween and friday the 13th and and even as we talked about in the minisode, the giallo genre really kind of was a precursor to these things. So it's not like we had never seen these before, but they were new enough that the formula was still kind of fresh. Mm-hmm. Today, it, it, it's it's so established that we see it in parody, we see it in spoof. You know, we yeah. we expect it. Um, so I don't know. Had I seen this movie when it first came out, maybe these things wouldn't have stood out to me. I also think that this movie, had it gotten studio backing, it could have potentially done just as well as any of the others. You know, it's yeah. not any better or worse necessarily than those early Friday the 13th movies. It just didn't have the same kind of backing and support. I think that's true to an extent. And apparently Universal was interested in distributing this, but they eventually pulled out. And it did get some distribution at some regional movie theaters across the country and stuff. And apparently it was... The reviews were kind to it, I think. Not overly kind, raving about it, but they initially weren't terribly bad. And I think part of that is owes to the fact that it's it's played rather sincerely and it's not really played with heightened suspense. The one thing I will say the movie really has going for it, and it harkens even back to the scene where we're talking about, you know, where they encounter this old man. I, they, you know, they, they, they hit a deer, or they think they hit a deer, pull over and go back and look for it. They run up on this house where, like you said, the dude from Creepshow, <laughs> his name is Roy, uh, is, uh, he's got a white horse, and he's gardening, 
potted plants in his house and he warns them i guess you're looking to find your way out of here no sir we're doing just fine we're going up the mountain to do some camping <laughs> only a fool would do that well, we got five of them in here <laughs> but there's no campsite up there especially with ladies along oh well, we don't have to worry with a big strong forest ranger to protect this do we <sighs> yeah well i can't let you go sir, up sir hold on hold on a second I See, the boy here's a land bear, and we're going up to look over the back 40. That deed don't mean nothing. That mountain can't read. Well, you know, he's the warning guy. But it's not, like we said, it's not really heightened. He's just sort of matter-of-factly telling them this, and it's kind of like, well, I mean, it's kind of your funeral, and they're kind of like, ah, that's okay, we're going to go anyway. There's no musical cues, there's nothing like that. And I think the whole movie is kind of like this. The music is rather sparse. There isn't a lot of intensity. It almost feels like, in some ways, a documentary crew following these people around the woods. Kind of. There's a lot of them hiking and through beautiful environments, under waterfalls, swimming in water. But it's like a good 40 or 45 minutes after that first kill that we really see anything, well, like another kill. Or any any action, really. Like, actually, I think most of the kills happen in the last 20 or 30 minutes of the movie, really. It's late, and it takes its time. But, it you know, really does. The reason that they're going there is apparently uh, Warren's dad has bought some property on the mountain, and I guess they're just kind of going to scope it out, which they tell Roy... But then he says, okay, well, where are you going to be? So when you don't come back, at least I know where to look for you. And they tell him a place, but it's not where they're really going. Mm. Which which they comment on later. Ultimately, it doesn't really make all that big a difference. But like, oh, yeah, I guess that was stupid. We should have told him really where we were going to be. But uh, as they're headed up, after they cross Roy and they're headed up then they come across the other drunk hunter who is still wandering around the mountain and still drunk and still drinking <laughs> and uh, he says that there are there's a demon after him and it's going to kill him and he begs them to take him down the mountain and and they very kind of callously leave him there like yeah. this guy clearly needs help in some way Right. Maybe he's just drunk, but still needs help. But they just toss a couple sandwiches out the window and keep going. But um, then as the hunter looks on and as they drive away, the killer jumps out of the woods onto the back (laughs) of the camper. Completely unnoticed by the people inside the camper. Completely unnoticed because one of the girls, Megan, the brunette of the two girls, the other is Connie. She's the good girl i mean like the second you see her you know she's the final girl and she is mm. and and megan is uh you know the wilder curly haired brunette one but like she has just right before this guy jumps onto the camper she has just adjusted the rear view mirror to do her makeup and warren who's driving is like hey i need that for driving and and she's like why there's no traffic up here so like he does. He can't even see it in the rearview mirror. I mean, there are little kind of <laughs> clever things going on there, but just seeing this guy kind of crawling around in the 
on the back with this huge back window, but none of them noticing. And there's another gag where when they do finally park, one of the other guys, Daniel, who's like the nerdy photographer one, he forgets his sunglasses on the camper and has to go back on to get him. And when he goes back on to get him, you see the killer lower the upper half of his body down to look in the window, but Daniel doesn't see him. There were little moments like that that I thought were creepy. But they didn't, like, blow me away. It's not I was like, ooh, this is so scary. Like, they yeah. they were just moments of okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the best way to put it. They were moments of okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I mean, part of the problem is, like, well, once of, first of all, I, I don't mind that there are no musical cues, but it was... It was very definitely missing, and I think it would have added something to the movie if there had been a little bit of that. I agree with you, but I did kind of appreciate the sound design because there's a lot of nature sound. Mm, um, that's true. And uh, there, there's lots of, you know, the sounds of the forest, which is a lot of, like, insects and crickets and things. Um, but any time anybody is about to appear from out of the woods, the insect sounds quiet or go away entirely which is smart well you know somewhat true to life mm-hmm. and it's very subtle and to see, I'd be lying if I said I really even noticed I read about it but then when I was thinking <laughs> about it I was like oh yeah that that did happen in fact I read about it while I was still watching the movie because I put this off until the very last minute so I was watching and researching at the same time <laughs> so I so I read that bit of fun fact and then I was watching I was like oh yeah (laughs) they did do that (laughs) that's hilarious well while they're walking through I just again I kind of fell in love with it because it's still early enough in the movie and there's a little bit of the drama with the guy kind of poking around the the trees and they look around they see something in the bushes but it kind of disappears and it's this dude Um, but like the setting was just gorgeous and I thought I want to be on this camping trip because they're hiking in just these insane scenes. They're walking under on, on these rocks underneath a waterfall. Um, yeah. And then they set up a camp in just this random, beautiful area. You know, it's not like a proper campsite. And build no, a campfire. But it definitely looked like somewhere where you could go. Like, when mm-hmm. they visit the waterfall, it very much looks like a natural place that has been... Oh God, I don't know what accommodated the word I'm looking for, for. Yeah, like for people groomed and yeah for people. Right, of course. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, it, and it doesn't take away from its beauty. It, it it's a very beautiful waterfall, but especially when they're walking down underneath it, it looks very much kind of like a man-made trail there. And, yeah. and when they're walking to their camp, it looks like they're walking on trails. It doesn't look like they're just tracing yeah. through the woods. It's like a national a state park, park or state yeah. park type atmosphere. Well, while they are at the camp and they set it up and it's nighttime, Warren and Jonathan run back off to get stuff. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't get that. Like, yeah, why didn't they just so bring weird. it? Did, did they go back to the camper? Yes. I'm pretty sure they went back to the camper. They went back to get, like, the booze or something, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, like, why, why didn't they, they just bring, bring it? it with them? <laughs> it kind of kills, and they do this multiple times, and it just sort of kills. Well, first of all, it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
And the second of all, like, you want to get this impression that they've hiked, like, all morning or all afternoon out to this place deep in the woods. But if these guys can just run back to the camper and be back in a couple hours, it doesn't feel the same way. And like you said, they just go to get booze, and they come back with a couple bottles of wine. And the girls, the guy says, this is all we got. Someone broke into the camper and stole the rest of the food, as though it were no big deal. Right. (laughs) I'm like, what? Don't you think you'd be a little more upset? Well, and the hunter guy already told him that told them that he was being pursued by demons like no yeah that sounds crazy but that on top of somebody breaking into your camper you're clearly not alone out there and they're just like ah uh, well this is all we have because somebody broke into it for some food whatever it it provides a a reason for them to kind of be spooked and who is it why aren't they back yet you know kind of suspense and then the guys leap out of the bushes, you know, to surprise them. And it's, again, very typical stuff. And then it's morning. So when the movie is called Just Before Dawn, I expected the movie to take place overnight. Yeah, right. And the movie actually takes place over, like, multiple nights. So uh, that was the first surprise. And Connie's upset because, you know, the, she kept seeing things across the night bothered her and the talk about the demon and she was frightened and did nothing while melanie right actually grabbed a knife and kind of went out to look and so she's talking with warren and i liked this little bit of relationship this is what i I was trying to say earlier is i just i felt that the there was a bit of realism to this movie yeah like these are just normal people who are out camping and their dialogue seemed pretty genuine and i thought their acting was just fine and everything was just not as dramatic as it tends to be, which, which I found again, it was it made it give it a little bit of a documentary. Feels a little refreshing, whether it was intentional or or not, or however it did. It does have this. I was thinking, well, they're doing a really great job of setting this up for the tension that's going to come because you know whatever killer comes out and starts really stabbing and picking people off, it's going to be in stark contrast, you know, to the reality and everything of this. But you know, they go hiking some more. They hear the sounds of a woman singing and. And they find this young girl who looks like she's got some makeup smeared under her eyes. And she's scared by them. And they call out to her, but she just sort of runs off into the woods. And Warren comments, like, or somebody comments to Warren, like, isn't this, aren't we still on your dad's property? And he's like, yeah. So what are these people doing out here? And then they go across an awesome rope bridge. Yeah. It's one of those where it's like a single rope across, but then two ropes uh, as handrails. Yeah, right. and again, like in a better movie that was a little better structured, this would be your moment to sort of set up the danger yeah. that they're going to have to later come to. You'd be going across this rope bridge, but it would be a bit of a struggle. It might be a little dangerous. Maybe somebody slips or something's coming loose or whatever. And so that when we revisit the rope bridge later, it's been established that on its own, this rope bridge is treacherous. But, you know, they just go across it. And it's pretty. It is. I would have been too scared to do it. I I saw a, uh, I think it was French, a a foreign horror film that was very much like this with people hiking in the mountains. And Mm -hmm. um, there was a a great big, uh, it actually wasn't a rope bridge. It was cable because it was so big. Um, Mm. and, And they were being pursued by like inbred backwoods people so this reminded me of that obviously this came first but that the rope bridge seemed very treacherous and i don't know how they filmed that i i Mm. kind of just assumed that they just had the actors do it and seems like it 
again, you know, there there is they go over it. You know, I I think that Warren and Connie. Uh, go over it first and then everybody else kind of goes at the same time which is dumb because they're throwing each other off balance and somebody almost falls in but uh, manages to pull themselves back up and a, like I guess there, there's a part later in the movie there's a part where one of the characters uh, one of the guys uh, John ends up back on that rope bridge and it ends up getting cut and and he holds on to it and he tries to climb up and i read that uh he did that stunt himself and it was actually very dangerous because that particular waterfall was notorious for people going over it and falling to their death yeah like <laughs> yeah I just, pretty nuts I, I don't, I don't understand the hubris of filmmakers sometimes and i guess you know you, you got to have balls to you know do something interesting to watch but i mean maybe he had a safety harness or something on him that we couldn't see or whatever but he i hope so he's holding on to that bridge when he gets cut and i mean there's a very clear shot of him swinging and hitting that rock and slipping down and everything i mean it's i was very impressed with that stunt when that happened because it was very clear the actor was doing it and it did not look safe about along the lines of like the Exorcist 2, which had a bigger budget and more experienced people on it. Right? I know. That always makes me. I know. I oh. always think of that with that with her standing at that ledge, oh, which God. we came to find out was real and just infuriated both of us because that's yeah. so risky. But, you know, we know that there's some booted figure following them they go swimming the mountain girl is watching them there is a cool part where john and megan who are a couple are swimming and she's topless so you get a little bit of boobies Mm -hmm. in there and they're swimming and they're fooling around and he's messing around with her like he pretends to drown at some point which really isn't funny um no but, uh, don't do that guys it's not funny at all mm-mm. and so when he goes underwater again she thinks that he's just messing around and again we see the camera is is on her it's kind of a wide shot but it's on her but we see kind of far in the background the killer wading into the water behind her and again i just thought that this was a really creepy shot i don't know how realistic it is that nobody would have seen him yeah but just her her being oblivious to it as we can clearly see him approaching and then she thinks that her boyfriend is messing around with her again as these hands come up and start kind of groping at her you know we can see that they're clearly not her boyfriend's hands they're kind of smeared in dirt they're really big they're much larger than her boyfriend's hands are and then so these hands are groping at her and then she turns and sees her boyfriend you know crawling up onto shore so she freaks out and gets out but you know they just write it off oh it must have been a fish or something you're overreacting and stuff i mean like you said it's a little unrealistic that this guy managed to make it there and slip into the water without them knowing and then and make it all the underwater. way over to her, yeah. stand her water. And then what is he trying to do? Cop a feel, I think. He doesn't surface and she's freaking out for a while and they're all looking at her. Help me! No! What is it, honey? Come on, come here. No, no, no. Hey, come on, get a while outside. No, 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 hey, no, no, no. Quiet, quiet, calm down. Come on, get over there! 
felt a hand and I saw you on the shore and so the hand wasn't you. Oh no, it was me. Jonathan, there's someone in that lake and it wasn't you! Calm down, honey. Come on, let's get some coffee. She runs out of the water and like, where did he go? You know, did he? is he a fish? Can he really stay under there that <laughs> right. long? You know, it just, I mean, it was a cool set piece, but it really stretched the boundaries of believability to a point where I was like, oh, okay. And by now, also, by the way, we're 45 in minutes into the movie now. So we are mm-hmm. halfway through. And except for that kill in the beginning, a little bit of creeping around, we haven't really actually seen anything significant happen yet. Not really. The the drunk hunter now stumbles upon Roy's property and tells him about the mountain man, and I Roy just kind of takes it with a grain of salt. Okay, well, I guess we better go check on those kids. Um, <laughs> and then it's nighttime again, and uh, Megan is acting... I don't know. I have in my notes, Megan acting a fool at dinner. <laughs> she's just, she's joking Drunken around, dance dancing, right. And then everybody's dancing. And then somebody shoots their boombox. And these mountain people come out of the woods. And it's a, a father, a mother, and the girl that they have already seen who, her name, she gets a name. Her name's Mary mm-hmm. Cat. But they, the, the mountain people, are the dad's like, you need to get off this land before you raise the devil. <laughs> and, like, he just says that twice, and then they turn around and leave. Yeah. Y- you know, you said something about the title not really making sense, because you would think that this would be, you know, like, peril through the night, you know, like, yeah. leading up until dawn. Well, I guess it went through several different titles, because it also went through heavy, heavy rewrites. Like, initially these mountain people were supposed to be some sort of like religious sect um, and they were all in on it together and it you know like there were these weird like snake handling religious ceremonies that they forced these people to endure and stuff but I guess that the director just found that to be very distasteful and and God, so that would have been more interesting it would have been more <laughs> I really interesting would have liked it it would have been more interesting, but they, they just uh, rewrote it and got rid of all of those elements. And so it went through a couple of title changes, too, and they just landed on this one. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but whatever. Well, I, you know, I was actually getting, and part of why, like I said, even for the first bit of the movie, I was still kind of into it, even though I thought the pacing was a little slow. It reminded me a lot of Deliverance. Yeah. The writer-director actually said, inspired him. Uh, for this yeah. movie. And to the point where I think one of the earlier titles of the movie was going to be like Survivance or something like that, oh, which is hilarious. And it did like have the pacing of deliverance because I would say that, and I've I've both read the book and watched the movie. And the thing that's kind of interesting about deliverance is that it does have this very natural feel of these people out on this little adventure camping in the woods Oh, yeah, it's a fun buddy movie for the first 45 minutes. Yeah, and then suddenly it takes a very dark turn when they realize they're in over their heads and they're encroaching upon the mountain people's land and these guys come out and then pretty soon they're fighting for their life. Yeah. And it's much like this movie, From even from that point on, when they're fighting for their life, it's not like it's a constant chase scene. The enemy is unseen for a lot of it. Like, they're getting like guns shot at them from places where they can't see 
it's quite suspenseful. It really gives you that notion that they are really in over their heads. They have no control over the territory. They're always in the on the disadvantage and low ground. And they're these set pieces, like interesting things happen. They fall in the water. They're fighting against the current while these guys are shooting at them. And, and this movie, it felt like it was going for that flavor, but fell yeah. very, very short, you know, because there was no, like, except for that kill at the very beginning of the movie, which has nothing to do with these kids. Mm-mm. There isn't that instigating incident for a very long time that suddenly makes them realize, oh my God, like we're in peril. Yeah, we still haven't even gotten to it. I, I, I mean, the, ne- the next morning, like Connie wants to leave. She thinks there's something weird going on, but they just blow that off. And then some of uh, the other girl, Megan's makeup has gone missing or something so um john goes to look for it and he finds apparently mary cat the mountain girl stole some of it because she's got like makeup smeared on her face now Mm. um but but he starts talking to her and she kisses him and runs off and he kind of not chases as in like menacing but like gives chase follows her they're kind of flirty sort of thing yeah. yeah it's well i mean he's got a girlfriend i'm like what are you doing are you gonna bang the mountain girl in the woods and then just like pretend nothing happened <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and and probably. they get they get to the rope bridge and she acts like she sees something that freaks her out and kind of hides in the the brush line and he thinks that she's just scared of the bridge and he's like no come on it's cool you know look just go across it and uh he starts to go across and as he gets to the end we see this big killer it's the same killer we've been seeing on the whole time he's this big guy he's he's a fat guy balding uh looks <laughs> yeah you know i don't know what dorky PC word, i don't know what Come the pc on. word is to use slow you know uh <laughs> simple uh, yeah, right. Yeah. But he's just kind of standing there menacingly, so uh, John turns around and starts going back the other way, but he this is the part where the killer cuts the bridge, and he, and he, and he eventually is able to climb back up the rope, but as he gets up to the top, mind you, this is on the other side, mm-hmm. but we just see, we see his hands getting to the top, but at the top we see this boot that just pushes him back in and he falls um, to his mm-hmm. death. Uh, it's a good stunt. Well, yeah, I, that the stunt is good. It, it does look good and it is scary. I'm, I'm terrified of heights. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that kind of thing makes me very nervous. You wouldn't find me anywhere near that bridge (laughs) in the best of circumstances absolutely not but then dan finds the old church and megan joins him there and warren catches a fish (laughs) like who cares exactly Uh, (laughs) and then so then john's body washes down the river to warren and connie and he's dead and i think connie says he was murdered wasn't he like I don't know. Like, <laughs> like he washed I, I down guess. the river. You don't know. And Warren's like, nah, he probably just fell off the bridge. <laughs> and, and that's the extent. He, he makes like a small attempt at CPR. And then and then they move on. These people, I know. This isn't, this isn't unique. To, right. This is not unique to this movie, but it always... It just throws me that in movies, yeah. you know, these people come across their dead friends and they're like, oh no. 
and then that's it. Like <laughs> back at the campsite. <laughs> eh, moving on. Oh God. Dan and Megan are at the church. They're approached by the killer in a gag. Like Dan doesn't have his glasses on and he's the only one who sees the killer approaching and he apparently mistakes this big, fat, bald guy <laughs> for his for young, attractive brother. <laughs> And so this the killer just walks right up to him and and stabs Dan in the gut very unceremoniously and he's dead. Yeah. Megan runs into the church where she stumbles upon the dead hunter from the opening scene. And then the big twist is revealed. She sees the one the killer outside like messing with Daniel's camera, but then she turns around and he's also standing right in front of her because they're twins. Yeah. It's twin killers. And I said earlier that it was totally projected, but then we didn't talk about it at all. As they're riding like through this rural area or whatever, they see these two little twin girls and one of them says i wonder why there's so many twins around here I know. Like, <laughs> I, like were they riding down the road and there were just pairs of twins standing down the road every like, half mile waving. <laughs> it's like seeing dead armadillos by the side of the road in texas or something like that well dear there certainly are a lot of twins out <laughs> what <sighs> yeah and and also it's just it's not even a consequential reveal because no, there's never any matter. moment in this movie where we were like, what? How could the killer have been there and there? You know? Well, how could he have been on both sides of the rope bridge? But like that could have been anybody on the other side. It, we, it was just a I was con- I was confused by the camera work. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure, you know, if they were actually two. It, well, it could have... Well, because they show, like, as soon as the one guy cuts the bridge they show him really quick run off like so yeah. i suppose maybe he could, could have, have like run, run, to the run other around side. i mean that was kind of what i assumed right it was oh he ran around to the other side or it's just you know kind of dumb filmmaking where now the killer's immediately somewhere where he needs yeah. to be you know like or, jason i mean we know that there's other people out there it, it could have just as easily been the dad that we saw before who knows mm-hmm. That's true. Who amongst these mountain people are <laughs> killers? <right>. And then <laughs> Warren and Connie go back to the campsite and they're calling for everyone and they kind of go back to the church and prowl around there. And then the old man pops back out with his rifle and his wife with the little girl watching from inside. You keep calling her a little girl. I think she's about their age. She's yeah, about the you're same probably age right. The, yeah. You're probably right. And he's a, and, and they ask him, what did you mean by raising the devil? And the old man says, oh, uh, I don't know nothing about that. I told you to skadoot. <laughs> to skadoot. He says that several times. He says that a lot. And then they just leave again. Like, they and go back running. to camp and just hang yes. out. Like, okay, they just kind of walk away from these two. Like, what are we supposed to think about this old man who's always got his rifle with him out there with his daughter and wife? Like... Are, we, are they supposed to be menacing? Are we supposed to think they're in on it? He doesn't do anything except tell them no. to skadoot, and then they just got to walk off. I don't know. Did you read the Wikipedia page? I did. Um, did you Did you read the plot synopsis? Because there were details in the plot synopsis that were not in the movie. Oh, <laughs> like, no. I, I didn't read the plot synopsis. I skipped right it, over. What did they say in there? It says that, like, in this part, it's revealed that 
the these two twins were born of the dad. What? The, the dad had a wife, and they had these twins, and then also a daughter, and then the twins killed the god i don't remember but it had it was all about inbreeding it, it something that was never mentioned really here at all or, or maybe the twins were a result I, I i think that the daughter that we see is supposed to be like her mother is also her sister oh none of this happens in the movie i have no idea where they got this from in the plot synopsis unless there is another cut of the movie that we didn't oh, see. I, like I don't know. but A shorter cut of the movie that is not the, the 15 minutes longer cut that we have that yeah. somehow chose to cut out this very important information. And actually, I wouldn't say it's very important. I mean, it would be backstory. No. But again, it's not like that would be a big revelation because who cares? <laughs> Roy <laughs> you know? does, Right. Well, Roy does eventually. Roy, the forest uh, ranger or whatever um, shows up and visits the Logan cabin and asks them <laughs> about the campers and they're like we've not seen anybody and when he walks away he God, he says something like keep breeding in the same family for long enough something's bound to snap so like it's suggested mm-hmm. but we don't get you know that kind of detail but Mary Cat does admit that they she knows where the campers are and she uh, chases him into the woods and offers to take him to the camp. <sighs> Which, you know, again, Con- Connie and uh, Warren are just hanging out. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I guess there. they're waiting for Daniel and Melanie. I guess. Even though Connie, she's like, they're dead. And he's like, no, they're not dead. They'll show up. Um, yeah. And then forget about our friend who's actually dead. <laughs> who's actually dead? I mean, whatever. He, who cares? Um, but then the killer does uh, approach them and and shows himself and and chases them. No, he goes off first for some reason. He has to go. And he takes his whistle, and he's like, "In case I get lost, you listen for it." The reason that he leaves is because uh, John had the keys to the camper. So he has yeah. to go back to John's body to get the keys to the camper. So they're split up, which And is he smart. leaves her there. Yeah. yeah. It's like, you just stay here in case anybody comes back. It's important that somebody's here. I'm like, no, it's not. They know where the camp no. is. They can hang out there and wait for you. Why would you leave yeah. this girl by herself? There's a fucking but he fire. <laughs> but he takes a whistle, and in case he gets lost, she's supposed to listen for it. It becomes a motif in the, the score at times. I, I thought this was... Again, it was just kind of showed how this this director, I just don't think he's, at least at this time in his career, very good at building suspense and pacing things out and framing stuff. Warren walks up on the banks of the river with his lantern that he has, and it's kind of a day-for-night scene. Yeah. He sweeps the lantern over, and in a really cool shot, like we see as he sweeps the lantern to his left, it illuminates the tree that is just behind him to his left, and... Is it Jonathan? No. Is uh, who it, is is. It? no Jonathan it is. No, it is. It's John. Is leaned up against the tree with his sunglasses on. And I think we're, I mean, we can obviously see he's dead. Well, I mean, that's that's not where they left him. But this scene would have been a lot scarier and more effective if we didn't already know he was dead. Exactly. He's been dead for a long time and they've already found his body. I mean, I, I granted, it is a cool shot. Yeah, it, well, it's a cool revelation as he time, moves. 
the first time it's a cool shot, but then he does this two more times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he, he sweeps it over again and we see it again back there and then he l- sweeps it to the right again I'm like dude are you going to look around or are you just standing in one place sweeping the lantern left and right and then he sweeps it again and finally he turns around and he sees him and I'm like man that just sucked all of the tension and energy completely out of that scene mm-hmm. <laughs> well and then I don't know I don't know if I missed something but I Connie hears the whistle in the woods and she thinks it's her boyfriend, but it's not. It's the killer. How did the killer get the whistle? I don't know. Do you have his own whistle or something? I don't don't know. know. Whatever. He chases her. She climbs a tree like like she's, I don't know, running away from a bear. I don't know. She climbs a tree and he starts hacking at it with his machete. Warren meets up with Roy and Mary Cat in the woods. The killer does chop down her tree. Which was another kind of impressive stunt because it, I mean, she's got her arms around this tree and in one shot that whole thing falls down with her on it. Uh, when they hit the ground, you know, she jumps up and runs away from it. I mean, it's it's the actress. I was like, God, that also looked like a very dangerous stunt. It did. It was shot kind of from afar. So that easily could have been a stunt person. I don't know mm. if it was, but it could have been. It could have been. The killer then is just like tormenting Connie with the whistle. Like, it's so dumb. Yeah. He's like lumbering after her, almost slapping her with his with his knife every now yeah. and then when he gets close. It's so, it's not at all menacing. It's not. No, it's, it's not menacing at all. And then out of nowhere at the last minute, Roy just shoots him dead. Yeah. And then, and then Roy tells, he's like, to Warren and Connie, he's like, okay, well, you better get out of here. Ugh. And and then I don't understand this at all. He tells them to leave, and then they're just back at camp. By themselves. And she puts on a full face of makeup? Yeah. Why? I know. What I was the waiting fuck? For, I was waiting for there to be some significance to this. Like, she crawls out of the tent, and it's kind of behind him, and he stands up, and he says, Connie, are you all right? And, and he says, oh, it looks like you prettied yourself up. You got your makeup on. And she's like... Well, you never know who you might run into up here. And then what? that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, so, uh, yeah, it makes it absolutely no sense. First of all, yeah. why are you still there? Get the fuck out of there. Secondly, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, but the the other twin shows up and stabs Warren non-fatally and then he lays there like a pussy for the next five minutes <laughs> yeah, just looking in horror clearly able to do something but does yeah. absolutely nothing to uh... Con- meanwhile Connie jumps on the guy like a freaking spider monkey and is like, <laughs> like pounding on him and, and fighting him and he like I think is trying to squeeze her to death yeah to the ex- to the extent that like blood starts coming out of her mouth and Warren is just laying there watching like l- doing yes. nothing he does not seem really disabled at all now granted he got stabbed a little bit but it did not seem to be like a fatal blow hmm. like he just kind of got cut um, mm-hmm. but he's just laying there watching and then this she she somehow gets turned around so she's facing him and she takes her hand and shoves her arm she fists his mouth (laughs) (laughs) uh like elbow elbow deep into his mouth 
and uh, and and chokes him to death, and that looked badass. Yeah, yeah, I guess it did. I I mean, I I think I read that Jeff Lieberman wanted a kill that he had never seen before, and that's what he came up with: is somebody choking somebody with their arm down their throat, and it did look good. I guess it would do the job if you could actually physically make that happen, <laughs> right? Um, it, that might be a little different, but yeah, she chokes him to death, and then uh, that's that's the end, right? It goes to Based, some shots I mean, of the woods, and Mary Cat, the forest girl, like runs out and looks at them, and then turns around and runs away. Mm-hmm. And then Warren falls to his knees in front of Connie and weeps. <laughs> and then it cuts to the credits over the sunrise or sunset, and and that's the end. You know, I don't know. As I was watching this, I just kept thinking it's it's really not that bad. Like as as far as slashers of this era go, it's kind of ap. You know, it's it, it's it's not particularly distinctive in any way, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's kind of the twin twist, I guess. Um, but other than that, it's just a backwoods killer in the woods killing a bunch of white kids. I, I, I'm not I'm not going to be too hard on it because it's fairly competent when compared to the other ones that we still are talking about 30, 40 about years how bad later. They are. So, yeah. Well, some of them, but some of them not. I mean... Oh, yeah, yeah like Friday the 13th you have, or something Yeah, I like mean, that. you've said over and over again, I am a fan of the Friday the 13th franchise. I think they're fun movies. I don't think they're particularly good movies. No, but they're fun. They're more fun than this movie because... At least, you know, if the acting is silly and the plots are the same and it's the same thing over and over again, at least there is suspense. Like, whoever is directing those from episode to episode, if I'm not mistaken, every single one of them does a decent, competent job of building some suspense. And here, like, not only is it really hard for me to feel anything for these people because the killers just come out of nowhere all of a sudden with no real buildup or motivation or motivation. And when they are on the screen, they just seem like goofy, jokey, big guys who are just (laughs) like almost clownish. Yeah. Just, just randomly killing people for fun. Yeah. It's like, it seems like you could just trip them up, you know, and they'd fall down and not be able to get up of their own accord. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just silly, and even in the when they're in pursuit, like we said, when he's when she falls out of the tree and he's going after, it's almost laughably not menacing at all. And so I think that colors the movie a little bit. I don't know. I just I was, and maybe you know, if you're gonna go see this, don't see the hour and forty eight minute version. Please see no. like the hour and a half version. There's a reason why almost uh, twenty minutes of it were cut, and maybe that would have helped with the pacing a little bit. But just, you know, I don't know. It just had all these elements in there, but a lot of them didn't make sense. The motivations of the characters popping in and out didn't make sense. I I really thought the realism there for a while seemed kind of good until everything kind of goes off the rails when they're not having believable reactions to their friends getting killed and they're just hanging around the woods a little more. So I'm not going to be as kind. I'm not going to be as kind to it, but I'm certainly not going to say it's the worst thing I've ever seen. And I did think there was some inspired cinematography in here. I did like the setting. And that's about it. Yeah. Stabbing in the wiener. 
I wouldn't warn people away from it. If you want to see it, watch it. Whatever. It's fine. Mm. But you're, I also wouldn't like recommend it. You're really not missing anything. It's not <laughs> like a long lost you know, gem of the slasher no. era. Like We've had a few of those that we were pleasantly surprised at. This is. I was hoping this would be one of them, but it's definitely not. But anyway, hopefully in the episodes to come, we will get some uh, three other films from 1981 that will be a little bit better. Maybe we'll find some hidden gems in there. Stick around and listen. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. You can find us online. If you just Google Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast, find our website, find our Patreon page, and become a patron if you're interested. Find our Twitter page and our Facebook page. Just leave us a comment any one of those places. Let us know what you thought about this one and uh, anything that uh, you would like us to do in the future. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. (laughs) 